Lord God, we thank you so much for this time we have with you. God, that we can gather together here and be in worship, be in your presence, Lord. To God, sense you, Lord, and your Holy Spirit falling upon us. And we thank you for a moment in our whole week that we can sit before you and hear from you. And that's what we ask, God, that you would speak to us through your word this morning. That you would give us, Lord, a word directly from you personally to each one of us here this morning. And Lord, as we open your word and we study and learn, God, may it impact us in a way that our hearts and our lives are transformed. That today, that with what we learn, we will walk out of here different people, uh, uh, motivated, inspired with purpose, Lord. And that our lives will be different than how we walked in here today. So God, I ask for your Holy Spirit anointing right now. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I read about two hunters who were hired to shoot a pack of wolves. Uh, that they were, the wolves were wiping out all the sheep in this area. The Farmers Association had to do something. So they raised a bounty to $100 per wolf. And these two guys, Sam and Ed, took the job hoping to make a lot of money in this seemingly lifetime opportunity. While the two men got their gear together, headed out into the field, they found a good place to camp. And after dark, they actually both ended up falling asleep. But suddenly, Ed was awakened by some noise. By the light of the campfire, he saw the glaring eyes and the gleaming teeth of one hundred wolves that had surrounded them. Ed shook his friend and hoarsely whispered with wide eyes, Sam, Sam, wake up, wake up, look, we're rich. I like that. I like how he saw things, yeah. Here it was, a lifetime opportunity. Well, as we return in our study in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul encourages believers to make pleasing God the main goal in their lives. For how you live and how you serve here on earth will directly affect your rewards in heaven. So we see here today, every believer has before them, guess what? A lifetime Opportunity, And that's our title this morning, A Lifetime Opportunity. We're going to be studying this morning 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. Just two verses this morning. We're going to go deep. We're going to focus in on what is being said here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 9 through 10, A Lifetime Opportunity. Now, our outline tonight is, uh, today is this, setting your target, standing before Jesus, singling out the good. So let's begin here. A lifetime opportunity, number one in our outline, setting your target. Setting your target. Take a look with me here now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. It reads here, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Now we'll stop here for our first section. We begin with one word here, the word therefore. 
And as I have said before, whenever we see that, we ask, why is it there for, right? It connects us, right? It's a conjunction, right? It connects us actually to what Paul had just talked about. And what did he talk about is the first part in chapter 5. Last time, the Apostle Paul said that when believers pass from this mortal life to the eternal life, we will be given resurrected bodies, these new glorified bodies to be able to live in heaven with Jesus. He gave that analogy, remember last time, on that way we shed our old physical body and we receive our new eternal body. It's like moving from a temporary tent to a permanent house remember we learned all that and so death for believers in jesus is what moving day and that was the title of our message last week if you missed it grab the cd later and we ended up learning in verse 8 this last verse before verse 9 we learned that it is this immediate trans transition right for to be absent from the body meant we are present with the Lord right away, right? We're with Jesus. So with all this now, we set our eyes on eternity. And because this is the believer's future destiny. So with this in mind, Paul writes in verse 9, first thing he says, therefore. In other words, since believers will one day go home to heaven and live with Jesus we make it our aim, yeah? Since that's our future, then here it is. That's our future, then we make it our aim. Now, the word aim is actually two Greek words put together. Phileo timeomai. Phileo means love, and timeomai means honor. Interesting, these two words. It speaks of really having this noble ambition as your goal, as your aim, as your target the idea here is since you're heading toward eternity you should be setting your target in the highest way possible nora gray said you must have an aim in life if you want to make a hit in other words if you don't have an aim in life you won't hit anything right so here's paul if you are going to aim at something aim high especially because we're on our way to heaven. Well, what is the target? We are to be setting your target. Well, well what is that target then? Well, then Paul goes on here in verse 9. He writes here, whether present, that means whether we're in the body, or absent, that means to be away from the body, just as what we learned last week. The goal, the target, the aim is to be well pleasing to him now the word well means like being passionate and we're to be passionate in pleasing who god himself that's our target that's our aim to be pleasing means to give what is acceptable or to bring delight so the idea is here is this be very passionate about doing all you can to live in a way that is pleasing to God. And you know what? I like to put it this way to live in a way that is a blessing to the Lord. How are you going to bless him? Well, I like what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. In the second part, he said, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's the idea here. Okay, so if we put all of this together, since the believer's future destiny is heaven, 
and that's uh, therefore, right? Since the believer's future destiny is heaven, while you live in this body on earth, and here's our point, make it your highest aim to be a blessing to the Lord. That's what Paul is saying. That's what he's putting forth here in verse 9. Make it your highest aim to be a blessing to the Lord. You know, Grandma and Grandpa usually come every year to, uh, for a visit uh, to our house. And, and whether it's like Christmas or like just this year, she, they came for Janae's graduation. The week before they, they, they come, there's much work to do in preparing the house and a guest room for their stay. And you guys know about it, about that when guests comes, right? There's the cleaning, the dusting, the vacuuming, the arranging, the, the, the organizing. There's even buying things, maybe new sheets and pillows if needed. Stocking up, right, on food and stocking up for us. We will stock up on Aquafina water b bottles. They love that, you know. And then we'll get Grandpa's soy milk that he has to drink and Grandma's tea that she loves to drink, right? So the main priority that week, the goal is that their stay would be a blessing to them. That's where all the preparation is for. Well, in a similar way, Paul's preparation for his stay in heaven was the priority in his life. The goal was to be a blessing to the Lord. So here's Paul saying, make it your highest aim to be a blessing to the Lord. This life we live on the earth, may it be a blessing to the Lord because we're heading toward heaven. We're going to have our new glorified bodies. The goal is to live this life here as a blessing to the Lord. Well, how about you today? How has your life been here on this earth? Is there any thought even to what really is your target in life? What is your goal? What is your aim here? Is it to, to please the Lord? Or is it to maybe please yourself, right? Or maybe your aim is to please man. What is your aim? What is your goal? What is your target? Right now, God is sifting through our hearts and minds and shaking to say, Look, guys. What is your target? What are you doing? What is your aim? Well, make it your highest aim to be a blessing to me. That's what the Lord is saying to all of us here. Think about it this way. God has saved you and given us a new life here on earth, right? Well, what are you doing with that life now? We used to live for sin. We used to live for the drugs. Or we used to live for the alcohol. We used to live, live for for our vices and our, our habits and things like that. We used to live for somebody even. But today, we have been saved, freed from our sins and given this opportunity, what? To live for God. So make it your highest aim to be a blessing to the Lord. And this, you guys, our life right now is that lifetime opportunity before us. Well, let's move on here. Let's go to number two in our heading, standing, standing before Jesus. Standing before Jesus. We're, we're, we're presented a lifetime opportunity here. Number one, we've got to be setting your target. And number two now, standing before Jesus. Take a look with me here now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 
Paul goes on and writes, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now stop right there. In the second section, we're just going to look at this first part of this verse. Now, this, it, it, uh, this question comes up, right? Why is it so crucial to aim to be a blessing to the Lord? Why is that so important? Well, Paul goes on here in verse 10. First of all, he says, For we must all understand the word all is all it includes every believer now so every one of us every one of us christians we must all appear the word appear means to make clear or show openly one commentator said in that day the full truth about their lives character and deeds will be made clear so all believers will show themselves all believers will, will be brought before the Lord and he, everything is going to be opened up before him. So it says we must all appear before what? The judgment seat. Now in the original language here, judgment seat is actually one Greek word. And the word you have to remember today is bema. B-E-M-A. B-E-M-A. Bema. So this is the bima seat. That's how we term it today. But it's really one Greek word, bima. And basically, this Greek word just means platform or steps. Or it's a platform that's raised up high. And you go up these steps and go on this platform. That's, that's a basic little meaning of this. Now, in ancient times, the bima was any platform area where judicial verdicts were made or it was the platform where maybe some official awards were given. And on the platform was sitting those in authority in their seat. So there was this seat, the seat of authority. And depending on the event, it could be for judgment or it could be for rewards, awards, that kind of thing. Really, the, the seat really, and, and this bima speaks of this authority or it's official. That's really the essence of this word. Now, the idea here is this. There will come a day when all believers will be together now, each one of us officially standing before the Lord Jesus. That's the idea. That's what's being presented here right now, right? Because it says the judgment seat or the bema of who? Christ of Jesus. So that's the main idea here. Now, now, take note before we go on here. This is not talking about the great white throne of judgment. We've heard all about that, right? Going before, oh, the Lord and a great white throne and being judged, right, for your sins. So don't get that confused here. The beam of seed of Jesus Christ is different different from the great white throne of judgment don't get confused and come to some wrong conclusion of yourself now I, I, let's take a look at this for a moment i, I had a, a jared make a uh, put together a chart here to put on the screen now we're going to see the differences between the bema seat and the white throne they're two different things the bema seat of jesus christ which we find here in second corinthians 5 10 and then there's the great white throne of judgment mentioned in revelation chapter 20 from verses 11 through 15 now the first thing i want you to see is this the bema seat of jesus christ this only involves believers 
So what we're looking at here in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, it only involves believers. Whereas the, the great white throne of judgment, this only involves unbelievers. So you see the separation here. Here in our passage this morning in 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says what? For we, right, shall all appear. Who's the we here? Well, in context of this chapter, Paul is writing about believers. Those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, who believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose again from the dead, that he's the son of God, those who have been saved. Remember, that, that's what last, the last chapter was about. Those who are going to heaven and going to get their new bodies from tent to the house. So Paul is writing about believers here when he, when he talks about the Bema seat of Jesus Christ, not unbelievers. Whereas in Revelation chapter 20, Actually, in verse 15, it says those who are not in the book of life, that means those who aren't saved, they then are cast into the lake of fire. They go to hell. So it's pretty clear here that the Bema seat, this is only for believers, whereas the great white throne of judgment, this only involves unbelievers. Secondly, now, this occurs after the rapture. The Bema seat of Jesus Christ occurs after the rapture but the white throne judgment this occurs after the millennium now from our past studies in matthew 24 and as we study through the bible first thessalonians 4 even daniel chapter 9 we've found and and i've taught you guys right that the rapture of the church happens before the seven years of tribulation and then we see Jesus even at, at the end of Revelation talking about the rapture. In Revelation twenty two twelve himself, he said, Behold, I am coming quickly. And then he said this, And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. What is he talking about? He's referring to the Bema seat of what we see here in 2 Corinthians 5.10, which comes now then after he comes for the believers, after he comes for the church, after the rapture. So the Bema seat comes after the rapture of the church. Now, the white throne judgment, though, this occurs after the millennium. You see, in Revelation chapter 20, Verse 11 through 15 is the great white throne judgment spoken about there. Well, you know what that comes after? Well, before that, earlier in chapter 20, is the thousand years of Christ's reign on earth, the millennium there. And that's after the tribulation mentioned in verse 7 of Revelation 20. That's how the time works. That's how separated these two events are. Now, I'm going to put up for you just this simple timeline I put together just so you can visually see this and it's going to go up it's up on your screen there on the screens here notice that number one is the rapture of the church that's where we move in right if you haven't already passed away already we're going to be raptured our bodies will be taken up and we're going to move into our new bodies that's what we looked at and talked about earlier in the chapter or last week. Secondly, then is that beam of seed of Jesus Christ. That's, that's when it comes in, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Then after that, after the rapture, after the beam of seed and all that, uh, then comes the seven years of tribulation on the earth here. And then after that, at the end of the seven years is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the, the, the actual visible physical coming of Jesus Christ where he takes over the whole world and then that ushers in number five the millennium the thousand years of Christ's rule on the earth 
Then after, at the end of the millennium, then comes, Revelation 20, 11, the great white throne of judgment and where unbelievers are standing before the Lord God at that moment. And then after that, we see in the very next chapter, chapter 22, Revelation, the new heaven and earth. God makes a whole new heaven. God makes a whole new earth. So you see, the Bema seat of Jesus and the great white throne of, of judgment are two totally different events that occur at separate times in God's calendar. All right, back to our chart now. Thirdly now, we see that the Bema seat of Jesus Christ, this occasion, the, the purpose is to distribute eternal rewards. Whereas the great white throne of judgment, that is to distribute, the case, this occasion is to distribute eternal judgment. Two different things here. So understand that. Bema seat, rewards. White throne, judgment. Right? Two different things that are going on. Okay, understand this too, that the Bema seat does not determine salvation. It doesn't determine salvation, right? Uh, it's about giving out eternal rewards, which we're going to look at in our next section. But think through it for a moment, right? Let's think about this for a moment. At the cross, when we first came to Jesus, when he first received him, what happened? Well, we were forgiven of all our sins, right? We were made righteous, right? Our position with the Lord so that now we can go to heaven so that we can receive eternal life, the new life. That was the point of salvation. That was a time when we were sure that if we were to die right then and there, that we would be in heaven with the Lord. So at that point where we received Jesus Christ, we're forgiven, given eternal life, we were saved. And we understand that, right? We are not saved by our performance. We are not saved by our works, right? You guys should know. I've taught you many times this, right? We are saved, what, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, what? We're saved, what, by what? Grace through what? Faith, right? Not of works. It's a gift of God. It's nothing that we have done, right? But all solely upon what Jesus did on the cross and our faith in him. And then think about this. By the time we're at the Bema seat, after the rapture, right? After the rapture, we're, we're with the Lord, the Bema seat. This ceremony is going on. We're standing before Jesus. Uh, where we've been raptured with the believers. We've been given glorified bodies. Do you think at that time that Jesus is going to say, well, I don't know. I don't think I'll let you in. You know what? Give me back the body. You've got to go back down to earth. No, right? Our salvation isn't based on our performance or works, right? So understand that being a seat, this occasion is really to distribute these eternal rewards. We're, we're saved already. It's not about judging you for sin and then, no, you can't get into heaven, you can't be saved. It's not that at all. Paul wrote in Romans 8, uh, verse 1, There is therefore now what? No condemnation. To who? To those who are in Christ Jesus. We have those assurances now in our salvation as we come to faith in Jesus Christ. I like something John Phillips wrote. He said, at issue is not whether a person is saved. That issue is settled at Calvary. It's a done deal, you guys. I love that. On the other hand, though, the great white throne of judgment, which is 
after the millennium, which is right before the new heaven and earth, which is after the tribulation, which is a total different event, right? The great white throne is about a, a, a person standing before God and judge with what they have done in their work, in their sins. They're judge of their sins there. They're judging the fact that, that that's what you rely upon to try and get into heaven, not Jesus. Really, it comes to that, that place with without Jesus, we would not be able to go into heaven. So they're judged on their own merit, their own works, and they, their sin found. So the great white throne judgment, uh, it, it does eter determine their eternal destiny. So you guys see the difference here now, right? It's clear, right? So if we are already saved as believers... What is the object of the Bema Seat? I mean, just in this first part of verse 10, what, what is the object? What, what, what's going, what is Paul really putting forth here? Well, this is his point here. The Bema Seat is the place where Christians will give account of how they live their lives after being saved. So you understand, Bema Seat's different than a white throne, right? So, so this is more accountability issue. The Bema Seat is the place where Christians will give account of how they live their lives after being saved. Now take a moment, turn in your Bibles to the left to the book of Romans chapter 14. Just two books over. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Look at verse 10. We're going to take a quick look here. Verse 10. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. If you have your phones or tablets, click away. You're already there anyways. All right, Romans chapter 14, verse 10. It says here, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. What is Paul talking about there? The bema, right? Same word, judgment seat, bema of Christ. So, here Paul is setting us up and talking about that, that bema, not the great white throne, but the bema. Then skip to verse 12. Then he's, Paul writes this. So then each of us shall what? Give account of himself to God. So understand, see, Paul brings in the same thought here that we see in 2 Corinthians 5.10 at that first part. The bema seat is the place where Christians will give account of ourselves, of how we lived our lives after we're saved. That's the idea of, of what did we do with our lives after he saved us and freed us from sin, right? What did we do with our lives after he gave us the Holy Spirit to live within us? What did, he, what did we do with our lives, right? What did we do for God? How did we live? That's the idea. That's the, that what Paul is saying. The Bema Seed is a place where Christians will give account of how they live their lives after being saved. Shouldn't we live in that matter? Man, or shouldn't we live before God with this future event in mind? That's what accountability is. Oh, something's coming, and I'm going to be count, uh, called accountable to that, so I'm going to make sure, hey, I'm going to live that way. And I believe God tells us these things, like in R Romans 14 or here in 2 Corinthians 5.10, because He knows our fleshly tendencies, yeah? We have that tendency to, to be so, so, so focused on the now, and not the eternity. We, we, we have that tendency that we live for the now, and then you know what that ends up? We, we, it draws us into, into the world and into worldliness, and, and, and he, we, he knows our fleshly tendencies. 
And then we don't live for the eternal. We don't live for being accountable for the eternal. Right? Well, one day we're going to stand before Jesus. And what we've done, we're going to be, it's going to be shown here. The Bema seat is a place where Christians will give account of how they live their lives after being saved. You know, the other day, um, the, the youth were playing cards, and uh, I forget if it was the retreat or, or, or one youth night. And um, it's, it's interesting. I forget what game they were playing, but, you know, you play card games and stuff. Well, well uh, it's, it's always the thing, right? When someone's hand, you know, say someone who won or something, or their hand was laid down to win, and it's laid down on the table, everyone's like, what? You have that? You know, it's revealed what, what they were holding in their hand, what kind of cards. Well, here's the thing. One day, as you're standing before Jesus, you will lay down your hand on the table. And it will, be, it will reveal what you've been holding in your heart. What you've been holding as far as what kind of life you've been waiting. So you know what? I want to lay down my best hand, right? I want to make sure that, that I'm living that life when I'm standing before God that, Oh, he'll, he'll see my heart. Knowing that your heart will be laid on the table before God is what keeps you accountable. It helps us to live that life no matter what. And even when it gets hard, even when there's opposition, even when we're fighting the spiritual battle and enemies against us and, and other things are, are going on in our lives and we, we want to just give up, knowing keeping our eyes on eternity, that we will be held accountable, we're going to be doing our best, right? While standing at attention during the parade, a private began to wave towards the crowd. Well, the drill sergeant sternly warned him to not do that again. A few minutes later, well, this private waved again. Well, you can imagine, as soon as the parade was over, the sergeant went off on him, screaming and yelling at him for going against his command, his word. Then the sergeant said, boy, aren't you afraid of me? Don't you know what I can do to you? The private said, oh, yes, sir, but you don't know my mother. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> she trumped him, yeah. But that's, that's the idea, right? There's something more. There's eternity there that keeps us accountable, knowing we're going to be standing before Jesus. Well, let's move on here to number three now, singling out the good, singling out the good. God is bringing us to, to understand and present to us this lifetime opportunity. And number one is setting your target. Number two is standing before Jesus. And now number three, singling out the good. All right, 2 Corinthians, back there, chapter 5, verse 10. Now the second part of the verse says, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad. All right. Paul continues to write that standing before Jesus at the Bema seat is so that, he says, each one. Now, I like those two words, each one. It's each believer. It, it shows that this evaluation is personal. It's individual. It's not like, well, you know, we did this. No, it's not about the we. It's about you. It's this one-on-one -on -one as we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord. So that each one, and he says, may receive. Now, the word receive here is interesting. It means to get back, or we would say to be paid back. 
In other words, we're talking about a reward. So each one may be rewarded rather than the word receive. Maybe that, and that would be a better translation. To be rewarded. Well, for what? For the things done in the body. Well, what you did, your deeds that you do, the work, the service, anything that you've done while living, what? In this physical body here on earth. So if we connect it to last time, it's while we're in this tent, right? Before we get our glorified bodies. So after the rapture, right, we get our new glorified bodies, our life here on earth is done. We're at the beam of seat. Why? So we may receive this reward, right, for what we have done, how we have lived in our earthly body. The beam of seat is the place where the believer will receive the reward from the Lord. Now, I believe Paul is, is, is picturing this. Now, now, since the Bema here is not judgment for sin, right? That's where the great white throne judgment. I, 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 I believe Paul is picturing the Greek Olympics of back then. See, outside of the city of Corinth, right, was this big Olympic stadium. And in the center of that stadium was this raised platform, this raised bema. And that is where athletes would come up, go up the steps and stand on that and receive their, their prize, their, their laurel wreath. It was, it was like this, you know, plant made into a crown on their heads for, for winning the races and participating in all that. It'd be like today in our Olympics, you know, the gold medal stand, right? The gold medal podium that we see on TV during the Olympics today. So understand this. It was not a place athletes received judgment. It was not a place where they were sentenced or penalized for, what, for cheating or maybe something. No, it was all about this place where they are honored where they're given this award. So the beam of seed of Christ is really what we would call today our be the believer's medal ceremony, right? This would be like the Olympics, our medal ceremony, where they or we believers are honored by the Lord. So picture that in your mind. This is what I believe Paul is picturing when he talks about the bema seat of Christ. So at the bema seat, at this platform, at the bema, the believers given their reward. And then look at verse 10. According to what he has done, whether good or bad. So, of course, according, you know, to how well you did, what you have done. And he, he, he chooses a special word here. When he says whether good or bad, the word bad is not speaking about sin or evil or wickedness. But in the original language, it, it, it means valueless or worthless. So, according to whether he did something good, which is valuable, or something that has, is worthless. That's the criteria to receive a, this reward. It's not based on any ethical works or moral works, but they, th they're judged, you should say, or, or, or they are assessed maybe in that way. They were, if what they did was valuable or worthless. So be clear on this in the original language when it says bad here. In other words, as God looks at what the believer did on earth, he asks this one question. Does it have any eternal value, right? Does it have any eternal value? That's what's good. That's what's valuable. If it doesn't have any eternal value, then it's worthless here in heaven, right? 
It, 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 it's, it's not worth anything. I like something that John MacArthur wrote. He pointedly said this, the difference in reward is only going to come because some believers have understood their priorities and they are going to have a pile of valuable things. And then he said this, while other believers, probably most, are going to have a monstrous, you know what it is, a huge, monstrous pile of worthless things. I know I messed up that quote, but you, but you understand, right? Some are going to have some, some great, you know, things and valuable things. Others are going to have a whole pile of just worthless things that, that don't have any eternal value. Well, what kind of things have eternal value? Well, we're going to spend another couple hours on this. No, I'm just joking. We could. We, we, we could. We, we, we could do a part two and do some in-depth stuff on this, but I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, let me just rattle off some, some things to you. Uh, there's some things in the Bible that we receive words, w rewards for, if, like how you treat others or how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you suffered for Jesus Christ. How you shared Jesus, how you ran your race, some of these I'm going to mention again, or how you served with your talents, your giftedness that God has given you. And let me tell you, though, it's not just your actions, but it's the attitude that give this eternal value. It's not just how we serve, what we did to serve God, but it's our motives also. And you, if those of you who are with us, remember we learned that. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As a matter of fact, turn over there. We'll take a look at this quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn to your left to 1 Corinthians. If you don't know where it is, it's right before 2 Corinthians. Anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15 here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. Paul writes here, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, that's really a, the things of eternal value, wood, hay, straw, or stubble, those things that are worthless. Verse 13, each one's work will be clear, for the day will declare. What day is that? Capital letter, day. The Bema Seat. That's right. The day will declare, because it will be revealed by fire. What is that fire? God's judgment. His assessment of those things that you've done. And the fire will test each one's work, what you did, of what sort it is. So it's not just what you did, but what kind of work. Like, like what was behind it? And we studied that back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right? Verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, like when the, the, the assessment, the fire of God goes, like the gold, silver, and precious stones, he will receive a reward. But verse 15, if anyone's work is burned up, like it's wood, hay, straw, or that stubble, the worthless stuff, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. I mean, he doesn't lose his salvation. He's still going to go on. He's not going to have to give away his uh, glorified body and go back down to earth. That's what it's saying there, right? So we learned that back then, that doing works like, say, for your own glory or and not God's or in our pride or, or fleshly attitudes. Remember we talked about even complaining or, all right, I'll do this, boy, but, you know, kind of. 
those things don't have that kind of attitude and motives and it's not that it doesn't have any eternal value they're the straw they're the stubble that will burn up they don't have any value to the lord so those things the worthless things will not be counted with the good things they're just gonna be burned up yeah they're just not there basically but what would we lack would be the good things and that's what the bema focuses on the bema is really singling out the good it's not looking for the bad it's just singling out the good you know th this brings to mind to me i remember hearing years uh, years ago when i was first a christian when pastor was 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 talking about this judgment before god and kind of alluding to the bema seat but he he went on to describe it this way well you know what we're going to be all there, and then God's going to put your life up on the big screen. Yeah? It's going to be like a movie, and everything you've done you know, after being Christian is going to be played out there. You know, and, and what's the first thought in our minds? Like, well, I don't want anybody to see that, right? I don't want to have everyone see what was really in my heart, you know, when I said hi to you and shook your hand. No, well, you, you know, I, I, you don't want... You, 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 I, I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do it to you. I'm just joking. But but you understand, right? Right. So the pastor puts out, you know, is talking about that, and it's going to be on the screen, and oh, you feel condemned already. But remember, it's not a time of condemnation. It's a time of rewards. It's a time of awards. Now take note. Go back to Second Corinthians chapter five. Take note, Paul. If you look here, he doesn't mention what we receive, what the rewards are exactly but with that in mind i, I just want to throw out to you some s this this thought and like winning athletes right this idea of the the bema of the athletes the olympics or paul i believe is picturing like how the winning athletes in the greek games games were crowned with that laurel wreath did you know the bible speaks about five crowns that us believers will be rewarded with and and this is what we're going to Oh, there it is, on the screen for you. <laughs> right on back there. So first of all, it's the incorruptible crown. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 20 through 27. This crown goes to those who ran their race well. Those who disciplined themselves to run that race. Those who, who self-sacrificed and didn't just give in and just walk the race, but they ran hard, right? The second crown is the crown of righteousness. This comes from 2 Timothy 4 eight. It goes to those who are who love Jesus so much, who are in love with Jesus so much that they're looking for, that the looking for his coming dominates his life. There's actually a crown for that, that, that all oh, those are so in love with Jesus, Jesus, I can't wait for, for you to come, and you just keep waiting and watching and all that. The third crown, remember, is the crown of rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19-20. Now it goes to those who did their part and bringing someone to Jesus Christ. It's the evangelist. It's, it's those who witness Christ. It's those who, who even prayed. What, whatever if you did, what, whatever you did to help someone come to Jesus Christ and come to salvation, you know what? You get a crown. That's the crown of rejoicing. Number four is the crown of glory. First Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. Now this goes to the shepherds, the pastors, and the spiritual leaders who cared for God's sheep. And finally, the fifth crown is the crown of life. James 1, verse 12, and Revelation 2, verse 10. It goes to those who suffered persecution for Christ's sake. 
who, who were martyred, who, who went to jail and prison and suffered, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever, for Jesus, they get the crown of life. By the way, we know Revelations 4.10, the, the elders in the throne room, the 24 elders, when they started to worship Jesus there, worthy as the Lamb, you know what? They took their crowns and cast their crowns before the feet of Jesus. And, and maybe some of us is going to have crowns, you know, piled up or, you know, like lays at graduation, yeah, and, and all that, you know. But, you know, I think we're all going to take that and just cast at Jesus' feet because it wasn't us. It was the Lord who did that. There's a lot more rewards in the Bible. Uh, you can read about them in, in Revelation 2 and 3 and the letters to the churches and all that. But for now, you get this idea that there's going to be some reward, some sort of reward, with not the crowns that we are going to receive. Anyway, coming back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this last part of verse 10. Paul's main point here, along with what we've already said about the Bema Seat of Jesus, is this, and this is our last point. The rewards will be given according to the eternal value of the believer's deeds. So it's just what I said already. The rewards will be given according to the eternal value of the believer's deeds. It's a war time. It's a reward time. Understand that. I was thinking about this, and, and I, I, I could relate to what the Bema Seat really in this way. At the end of this uh, past high school year, King Kaolike King King ah, um, held two award ceremonies for their graduates. One was a sports award and uh, a sports award ceremony, and one was an academic award ceremony. Now, proud dad, right, has to say that Jinea, my daughter, went to both. We had to go to both. And, and as I was studying the Bema seat, uh, it, this was I was picturing, almost something like this, right? We went to both, and because uh, she received awards both and a trophy, you know, from, from both sides. Now, at, this, at the both events, right, names were called, individuals came forward to receive recogni recognition with their uh, award, right? Whether it's a certificate, a trophy, even scholarships were given. And I lost count of Janae's certificates she got a trophy all that i know she goes stop it stop it dad um, some names even were called again and again right they got more than one certificate or or trophy or some uh, when we were at, uh, the first one was the sports one the second one was the academic one and and um and then uh, like a couple kids are like what they got another scholarship what they got another scholarship hey you know it's like whoa well good for them good for them and, you know so many of these kids got several certificates, scholarships, awards, like that. And, you know, they're, they're for, like, A, the sports one, best a athlete, or, or, or vars varsity, varsity lettering, right? I don't know how many var varsity letters Jenea got. What, seven? No. Anyway, I don't know how many. I lost count. And, and then, uh, you know, in the academic, we, we have, oh, the, the science guy, the biology guy, the math guy, and, and then Jen, of course, proud dad, yeah, top graphic arts yeah yeah Jenea. anyway there's even right some some people like oh they're like sitting there and then their name comes they go huh what oh i got something you know and they went up so it was a wonderful time whether it's a, for a sports award or, or academic awards right now at both of these events there's something you don't see 
No one was awarded like the worst player trophy, <laughs> right? Or the most fumbled in, in, in one game. No, there's no certificate for that. Nothing was awarded in that way. Or, or what we didn't see, you know, at the academic awards that, oh, lowest, here's a certificate for the lowest overall GPA. No, it was the opposite, right? Yeah, the valid Victoria, 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 yeah, those guys. Jinea got, yeah, anyway, those guys, yeah, four O's, that's what was given out. Not, not, well, you just made it through high school trophy, yeah, you know, kind of thing, right? No, it, 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 that's not the place for that. This was an award ceremony. It's not an embarrass you ceremony. The focus was on the achievements, not the failures. So understand it. This is the bema seat of Jesus for believers, right? This is what it's about. Some will get one crown. Some will get two. Some will get five crowns. Some will get no crown. But you know what? They'll still graduate. It's okay. It's all right. It, if, if some of the works that you've done here in your earthly life, if they don't have eternal value, you know what? They're just burned up. They're not counted. They're not mentioned at all. It's about the eternal value, works, achievements. So, do you understand the rewards will be given according to the eternal value of the believer's deeds? So the Bemis is it's a wonderful time. Now, let me ask you, wouldn't it be better to be recognized for something you did in this life by your Lord Jesus? Yeah? Wouldn't it be better to, to, than not to have anything, but to, to do something that maybe one day before our Lord, that, that it would be recognized, right? Is that, isn't that what will bring him joy? Isn't that what Paul is saying at that first part, that we've got to be setting our target to please the Lord, to bless him? Isn't that our aim? Whether, remember he said, in this body or not, Right? So we want to please him at the Bema Seat. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he recognizes all that. I really like what Warren Wiersbe wrote. He said, the important thing is not the reward itself, but the joy of pleasing Christ and honoring him. And when we get that crown, we will know that we did. That's the idea, you guys. You and I, we have an opportunity today to do things in this life right now that will have eternal value. Now, now let me ask you, just a little bit more here in our study. Let me ask you some questions to help sort out what is good or what is worthless. What has eternal value, what doesn't? Let me ask you this question. Is mowing the lawn, does that have eternal value? Mm, no, not, not really. I don't think so. I don't think you'll get a crown for mowing the lawn. Unless, though, if you do it for someone who can't. Or maybe you do it for free just to bless them. You see the difference, right? How about this? Is obeying God even though your flesh is against it? it does that have eternal value? Yeah, right? Right? We're denying ourselves. We're, we're saying no to our flesh, right? And we're going to obey God first. How about this? 
is habitually giving into your emotions, uh, does that have eternal value? I don't think so, because usually our, our flesh, our emotions are connected with our flesh. And even though you think it's being real, yeah, is it in the spirit or is it the flesh? How about is holding back on your giving because you can't afford it? Does that have eternal value? No, right? Because like like the 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 widow who gave her her two mites, yeah? Everything she had, that was eternal value. Jesus pointed her out. That's eternal value to the Lord. How about this? Is praying even though you don't feel like it, does that have eternal value? Yeah, right? Maybe you don't feel like it. Maybe you're tired. But you know what? We can feel a lot of things that aren't the Lord. Let me tell you, obedience has eternal value. Obeying God over all this other stuff, that has eternal value. Let me just put these things out that I believe have eternal value. Loving someone who is unlovable purely because God said so. Not because we feel it. Feel it. Yeah. Not because, well, okay, I'm over it now. But no, because God said so. How about this? Sacrificing your dreams so that someone else can have theirs. Sacrifice it has eternal value. Being first to forgive, that has eternal value. How about this? Going to church to be with Jesus, even if it's inconvenient. I think that has eternal value. I think God, God could say, wow, you did that for me? Right? How about giving grace when you rather give retaliation? Yeah, that is eternal value. How about making, uh, making prayerfully sure that when you serve the Lord, it's not for your own glory, but reserved for His glory, yeah? Like before you say, you're searching your heart, you're saying, Lord, I don't want this to be about me. And you're in prayer before God, before you go to church and serve the kids, or, or however you serve God, God, I'm going to make sure this is not about me. You know, that act, that prayer, that step you take, that has eternal value to the Lord. How about holding on, I mentioned this already, obeying God's word, no matter what it is, even if the society is saying different. Yeah. I tell you, our, our society, our culture is getting darker and moving farther away from the principles that are in the Bible. What we need to do is be laying up our treasures in heaven, right? And how do you do that? By doing things that have eternal value. I'll close with this story. And I love this old story. I shared this before, but I like this. Um, I'll close with this. An old minister dies and goes to heaven. He's standing in line to get into heaven. He's at, at the gates of heaven. Now, just remember, this is a joke. It's not theologically correct here, all right? Not what we learn, all right? So don't judge me here. It's just a joke, all right? In front of him is this New York taxi cab driver. He approaches the gate, and there's Peter, gives him this silk robe and a golden staff. Well, next in line is this old minister. He steps up to the gate, and Peter then turns around and then grabs something, gives him, this old minister, a sackcloth robe and a wooden staff. The preacher's in shock. 
he blurts out and complains, wait, 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 I, I've been preaching for 30 years and all I get rewarded is this? Surely I rate higher than the taxi cab driver. Peter then responds and says, well, over here we go by results. You see, while you preached, people slept. But when he drove, people prayed. <laughs> yes, things done with e eternal value count, right? So what will you do with the life that you've been given? What will you do with the time on this earth? Spend that opportunity on yourself? Or will you give it all to Jesus? Right now, you and I are facing a lifetime opportunity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today, and thank you for speaking, God. Lord, may, may it light a fire under us, God. May it stir us up to live for you, God. Every day, every hour, every minute, every second, whether it's our actions or whether it's our attitudes, whether we're, we're moving forward and serving you or whether it's our, the motives that are deep in our hearts. That's why, Lord, we are here, God, to, to study your word and to set our aim to you, God, to learn and to grow. And so grow us right now, Lord. Bring us into a transition where we will stop living for self but live for you, where we will leave this place and that this week, God, will be totally different from the past weeks of our lives. Lord God, we want to dedicate everything to you right now, Lord. God, forgive us our, of our failures and sins and forgive us for not denying ourselves and giving into emotions and feelings, God, and to, to allowing our flesh to live, God. Lord, we want to turn from our flesh, turn from it that it would die. We want to put on the new man and walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. So help us today. Help us right now, God, to take advantage, Lord, of this lifetime opportunity you are giving us. You've given us a chance to live for you. And so, Lord, may everything we think, may everything we say, may everything we have in our hearts, may everything we do, may the very breath in our lungs be all to your glory, God. And we look forward to the day when we will be with you. And the day we stand before you, God, at the Bema Seat, with a smile on our faces so that we can show you that we have done everything bless you Lord and God we yearn to hear those words well done my good and faithful servant in Jesus name Amen